Matthew chapter, let's go to Matthew chapter 26 tonight. And I want to welcome everybody online. Now, those of you online listening, uh, you probably think he don't care about us. He never talks, says anything to you. I care about you. I really do. But my mind is so much on preaching that I oftentimes don't even know who's here and who ain't until I go home that day. And now I get thinking, well, so-and-so wasn't there today. You know, wonder if they're all right and so forth like that. But those of you online, we're thankful you're listening. And we had the testimony of Brother Miller this morning, a man who listens online. And so we're thankful to God. Mary, I, I mean, what are you, you're supposed to be sitting right over That's your seat now. <laughs> Mary, I'm just teasing you, Mary. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how you get used to sitting in a certain spot? Yeah. Somebody comes in, the devil tries to tell you you ought to be mad. <laughs> Amen. I don't know. Amen. Well, I'm glad for the Word of God. Amen. I tell you what, I'm thankful for everybody out tonight. I hope you can have a good time in the Lord and learn and grow in the Lord, grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Draw a little closer to God. Uh, listen, keep in prayer tonight the Burke family this week and the Latham family this week. I am going to try to have a meeting uh, or get something going. I may appoint one of you men to take care of this, but to get to where we break the church down into family groups and, and one man pray for uh, you know, five or six families or individuals every day. And uh, we'd like to get that going again. So be in prayer about that. Um, Matthew chapter 26, verse 33 through 35. We'll uh, take this into our text tonight and kind of go from there. Matthew chapter 26, verses number 33. Now, how many's got that in your Bible? Say amen. amen. All righty. Peter answered and said unto him, he's talking to Christ, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Now I want to tell you something tonight. Peter's one of my favorite people in the Bible, probably because his spiritual gift was prophecy. And I, I just can, I can get him. I can understand how he's thinking. He has, he's like me, he's got a lot of good intentions, but how to perform that, Paul said, I find not. <laughs> How many of you had good intentions? You know, you do have good intentions. How many of you like to live for the Lord, but you sure have a hard time being what you think you ought to be? Amen. Well, we got that in common. Amen. We're going to learn something from Peter tonight. Now, I want you to, I don't know whether it's going to be preaching or just sharing my heart. I don't know exactly how it's going to be. You pray for it. And uh, Jesus said in verse 34 unto him, Verily I say unto thee. Now, there's something good about this. Jesus knows our good intentions. Amen. He knows. But he also knows our weakness. And he said there, Peter said, I ain't, I'll never be offended over you. And verily I say, thou, this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Mm -hmm. Verse 35, Peter said, though I should die with thee, will I not deny thee? Likewise also said all the disciples. Don't ever forget that. Mm -hmm. Everybody's always talking about what Peter did. Well, they all said they would, and none of them did at that point in time. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 69. I, I want us to get something tonight that will help us. Uh, now, Christ has been arrested and the, the Passover is right on them. Okay, the feast of the Passover, which was on the 14th of the month, back in Leviticus 23. And Jesus was going to be the fulfillment. He was the Passover lamb. Okay, shed his precious blood. The lamb. By the way, Kelly and Mrs. Carr, I love that idea. Now, the one thing I want you to be careful about is going over to them trucks and stuff. I don't know how that'll, I'm going to leave that at the Brother Carr and, and Brother Carr, you, you give him your counsel about that, would you? You know, I'm just saying, but boy, I appreciate that. 
Let me tell you, tell you these truckers are a rough life. I, I, I never did, was drawn to trucking because, man, I'd be gone from home so much. And, you know, and there's so many crazy people. I see enough crazy people just driving through Norwood, much less through all the whole country. Amen. No, you know, and, uh, but, but I love that ministry. I just have a heart for it. I support you totally. Absolutely. And I appreciate you, you know, coming up with something we can do as a church for the people that's near us. And I mean that with all my heart. Verse number 69. And so you've had Jesus arrested here now and taken in. And now Peter sat without, that's out with outside the hallway there in the palace. And a damsel came unto him saying, thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. What did he do? He just got through telling Jesus in the same chapter, I will not ever do that. Never. I'll never deny you before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. That is a lie. Now I want to ask you a question. Was Peter saved at this point? I believe he was. Now there's a verse where it talks where Jesus said, when thou art converted. And uh, there's thinking, but what's going on here? Uh, Peter was sincere. I tell you, Peter, I like him, man. I'm telling you what, he's, he's the old boy who got out of the boat and the rest of them wouldn't. Right. Somebody said, well, he, yeah, but he sunk. Yeah, well, you try it. <laughs> he holds the world's record so far walking on water. Yeah. Except Jesus, that's Jesus, he holds the world record. And I kind of get tired of people saying, well, he got out of the boat, but he got his eyes off Jesus. He said, yeah, you do too. Yeah. How many times have you been sinking? Yeah. Got your eyes on everything else, down you go, you know. Yeah. So I, I like old Peter. I'm going to take up for him. Amen. amen. And even though he's, I'm going to take up for him because he had good intentions. Yes. He had some love in his heart for God. But, but, it, it, but he, there's something wrong. There's, something, there's still something missing there. Now, as he said, he, I know not what thou said. When he was gone out in the porch, another maiden saw him and said unto him that, that, that them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus. And as he said, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I know you. And again, he denied with an oath. He started cussing. He thought, that'll, that'll show him I'm really not. I'm blown Jesus. I'm going to cuss. Yeah. 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 I ask you again, was he a Christian? Yeah. Did he believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah. And after a while came him, him that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. He began to curse. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it takes an oath. I swear, I am not follower of Jesus Christ. You got me mixed up with somebody else. I swear it on <laughs> Took oath. Third time around, he starts cussing. That'll convince him. I start cussing. They'll say, well, he couldn't be with Jesus and, and just cuss like that now. Amen. You can, you can. I got tickled in it really. I got home today and took off my shoes and they're getting ready to eat dinner and come around the table and somebody, I don't know who it was, pulled a chair out from the table clockwise, you know. And I caught my toe, my little toe on that chair. I said, I all but test. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, don't it hurt to hit your toe on something? I mean, tell you what, dance like I mean, wild end in the length. You've done the war dance there for a while, you know. <laughs> tell you what. But it's just kind of funny to me. I thought, boy, you know, people's cussed over less than that, you know. He began to curse and swear and say, I know not the man. I do not know who you're talking about. I don't even know who Jesus is. And then immediately caught crew. That's given to you in Mark chapter 14, Luke chapter 24, and John also talks about Peter, the denial there somewhat. Now, I want to go to uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. 
And uh, see something about Peter here. And like I say, I don't know how this is going to go. I, I don't feel like my, I think I'm kind of like the old train that was just going from Norwood to Mansfield. It never did get wound up very much. <laughs> some of you got that, some of you didn't. <laughs> you know, if you're just going from Norwood to Mountain Grove, why get, why get your engine revved up? You're just going to waste, you know. But now if I was going to Springfield, I'd want to get her pour the coals to it, amen? Anyway, uh, Acts chapter 2, I want you to see this here. Uh, and you, of course, know verse number one, when the day of Pentecost fully come, they're all one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. And they were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. You get over there in verse number 14, people want to know what was going on. Now, I want to tell you, let's get something straight here. The Bible says that these were languages that they spoke to present the gospel to people. There were 19 nations that had come in for the Feast of Pentecost. And the Bible said this was a supernatural gift given to those people to be able to speak. They said, how hear we, every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. Now, get that. You get that's right. Uh, I'm of the nature, I, I, I could have been in a charismatic movement that fast, but when I studied the Bible, it did not match what I was seeing. Amen. I'm just being honest with you, not trying to be smart, nothing, no hating that. Right. I, I, I just couldn't match it up. And so I'm not a follower of the modern day tongues movement. Okay? But I'm going to tell you one thing I am a follower of, and that's being filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. And I'm not going to let a misunderstanding right. by some people or a misuse of it by some people rob me from the blessing of being filled with the Spirit of God. Yes. Now you say, Reggie, what happened? Now this guy's at the Feast of Pentecost. Are you with me? He's at the Feast of Pentecost. There are multiplied tens of thousands of people from all over the world there. And he stands up and that man, this unlearned, ignorant fisherman, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. And you watch all these apostles and they start almost from Genesis and they preach straight through to the, to the cross and then explain what the cross is about. Back in Matthew 26, we have Jesus saying this, I will die with you. I'll never deny you. Within hours, he was lying. Didn't say, said he didn't know who he was. He was afraid and a coward. That was on the Feast of Passover. 50 days after you got Passover, then you've got uh, uh, unleavened bread, then you have first fruits. 14th, 15th, and 16th day of the month. 50 days from that, seven sevens plus one, you read that in Leviticus chapter 23, is the Feast of the Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost, which means the word Pentecost means 50. It's a number. Something happened between Passover where he denied the Lord as a Christian, now as a believer. And Feast of Pentecost 50 days later, where he was willing to stand up in front of the very same people and proclaim with a loud voice and associate himself unashamedly with Jesus Christ. What happened to him? Filled with the Holy Ghost of God.
I want to tell you tonight, the reason I have a hard time maybe on this is because this has been a struggle with me all my ministry. I want to say to you tonight this, that what happened to Peter needs to happen to you and I. You've never seen anybody, even though they may be super sincere, that did anything for God without the power of the Holy Ghost and the, and the movement of the Holy Ghost and the filling of the Holy Ghost in. I remember when I got saved and surrendered to preach. And I'm, you know, of the nature that, I mean, that night, one of my brothers told me that he laid his hand on my back and he said, Reggie, he said, your whole body was shaking like a leaf trembling. Uh, it's hard for me to explain to you that night the surrender of my soul to God. Yes. It was a big sea change in my life. The next morning, you guess what? I wasn't out preaching anywhere. I went to milk. <laughs> and my dad was in the barn when I got there. And as I stepped down the steps, I never will forget what he looked at me and said, Reggie, how long has this been going on? When did God call you to preach? And I was so broken that I couldn't hardly even look up at my dad. And I just said, Dad, since I was 18. And he said, well, I'm just, I'm just glad that you surrendered and we're going to be praying for you. Amen. As I started down the road, and the first time I ever got up to preach was the first Sunday after, it was in January like this, a big snowstorm on. And uh, it, a snowstorm came during that revival. And, and uh, Karen knew that I'd got saved because our basement got about that deep of water and I didn't go into a blowing fit. <laughs> She said, I knew something good had happened to him. <laughs> I never will forget that. I thought, hmm. You know, said, God did something in him. He said, he would have just been all upset and all been out of shape. And, uh, but I, I, I intuitively knew this. And this is what scared me. I knew I couldn't preach without God. I knew God's going to have to do something in me beyond myself to be able to preach how I knew that I should preach preaching the whole counsel of God. So I really sought the Lord about that and prayed. But you say, Reggie, what happened to Peter? I'm just going to give you a few things and, and we'll be done. Number one, during the course of this time, there was a brokenness that happened to Peter. The Bible said that he went out and wept bitterly. I tell you, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, now I understand that God had a time said already for the Holy Spirit to come and everything. But let me just tell you, God never fills a man till he empties him. And I'm talking tonight, not about being filled with the Spirit so we can see some kind of sensational church service, although that would be wonderful. But I'd like to see Spirit-filled daddies. Spirit-filled. My spiritual filling in life isn't worth any more than I am at the house. I don't care what goes on at the church house. I don't care how spiritual I may act or feel. I am no more of a man than I am what I do privately. I'm no better man at all than what I am privately. And what I want in this church and where we're heading in this issue of holiness and sanctification is, is that individually 
We would want the filling of the Spirit of God because I'm going to tell you something. There's no way to live a Christian life in power and effectiveness without the filling of the Spirit of God. It is such an important area. This is why Satan tries to distort it in the minds of people, mess it up in the minds of people. I remember whenever the first challenge really hit me to back off what I was preaching. I went up in the woods and I prayed and I stayed a long time. But I'm going to say this to you. The first thing that had to happen was brokenness. God had to break me. He was so, I was so broken that the first, I'm going to tell you this, the first time I st stood up to preach, I literally could not lift my head up. I, I don't know. I just, it's like I couldn't lift my head up. And I just wept. And believe it or not, sermon lasted. Man, you're probably, you and Karen's probably the only ones here that was there. It lasted about seven minutes, about five minutes. Van wonders, he says, he's never been filled with the Spirit since. <laughs> I preached about five or seven minutes and I sit down. And uh, I begin to read the Bible. And I just you know, recognize now, at that point in time, I was more concerned about filling the Spirit for preaching than it was anything else. But I want you to know where I believe God is trying to take this church. Amen. That we have Spirit-filled daddies who aren't trying to put on a spiritual front. I just got through telling Brother Jerry, and Jerry, I hope you don't mind this, but I just, I just like Jerry. And one of the reasons I like Jerry, because he's just who he is. I like people like that. They, they're just who they are. But they have a hunger for God. They want to walk with God. They want to live for God. They want to grow in the Lord. And tonight, one thing I would say this to you is, do not take this message as some kind of, woo, 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 spill the spirit. Just say, you know what? I want to be so filled with the Spirit that I love my wife. Amen. I was talking to some fellows here this morning after church, and let me just tell you something. Most men, most men, just being honest about it, have trouble and struggle with lust and other women. That's just a fact of, of reality of this fallen curse of man. And if that physical desire is not challenged and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, you will get in trouble in your life. Okay? And I told a man this morning, what, about what, what do you do? I said, I go to Malachi chapter 2 where it says, Thou hast dealt treacherously, thou hast profaned the holy, watch this, profane the holiness of God. And they really kind of want to know, well, how? And he said, because you've dealt treacherously against the wife of your youth. He said, why? And, what, what was the, and what's that all about? He said, because the Lord is seeking a godly seed. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I'll tell you men this night, being filled with the Spirit means you'll be filled with the Word of God. But you can have the best intentions and know the scripture. But if the spirit of almighty God is not working in you, you're going to have a lot, a lot of trouble. Amen. And I'm saying the answer to things tonight for a long lasting generation revival is this sanctification. You can call it holiness. You call it what you will. But involved in the, all of this is being filled with the spirit of God. Here's the reason I struggle with this, because I don't, I don't feel like I can get up here and tell you what is going to happen with you to be filled with the Spirit of God? But I will tell you this, you go through the book of Acts and over and over again it said, and being filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And every time God did some great thing out there, here's a man who, uh, a disciple of Jesus, walked with him three and a half years, loved the Lord, had the best intentions of the world, but when he got under the pressure of the gun, denied the Lord Jesus with an oath and cussed. But in 50 days time, God did something in that man's heart. And he changed from being a coward to a crusader for Christ who didn't care whether they liked it, didn't like it, killed him, didn't matter. He stood up and the Bible literally says, and Peter stood. Amen. 
and he preached unapologetically. In fact, he said, ye with wicked hands have slain the just one. What happened to that man? It tells you in Acts chapter two, he was filled with the spirit of God. And let me tell you, when you're filled with the spirit of God, it will produce the fruit of the spirit, which is love. You know what happened to Peter? He started loving people. Perfect love casteth out fear. What was wrong over here at Passover? He was afraid of those people. What they, were going, they might arrest me and crucify me. But when he got filled with the spirit, that didn't matter anymore. He knew he was under the power and control of God Almighty and that God was ordaining the path of his life. And whatever God would have for him, that's good. And I can trust God with my life. He was, he was broken of his own strength to live and work for the Lord. And for us to do, have God work through us, we're going to have to come to the place where we say, you know what? We cannot do the work of the Lord as a church in our own power and our own strength. We must be filled with the Spirit of God in this church. Amen. And I'm telling you, Satan's at work in churches to keep them where they're not in one accord, where they're not in one mind. That's why we all we use the same Bible here. We're in the same mind Amen. and in one accord. And I'm telling you something, we have got, I, I, I don't know, I can't even explain to you what, how God's dealing with me. Twice this week, Brother Paul got to talk to me. Twice this week, God has woke me up about 2, 2.30 in the morning. I can't go back to sleep. And it's just like I said, I want you to get up. And I go in there and I get my Bible out and I start reading this. It's just like God starts speaking to me. I, I cannot tell this church what God is trying to do here, but I know he's trying to do something and wants to do something with this church. And I know that he is, if, if judgment must begin at the house of God. And I know this, that he is trying to get us as a church in such a condition filled with the spirit of God, walking in truth with Christ, that he can do whatever it is he's wanting to do with this church. And I know whatever it is, it means the saving of souls, the exalting of Jesus Christ, the glorifying of our father. That's what it's about. Amen. All right. Reaching the lost, glorifying, uh, preaching the gospel, get, reaching people for Christ. That's why Jesus came and died. And I don't understand all about it. I can't say, Lord, now God said this and this. And I, I just know that the spirit of God is moving. Yeah. And what I want to encourage everybody in the church house tonight is this. Let God do the work in you and I. Let's let God do in you and I the work that God did in Peter between Passover and Pentecost. Now, I will tell you this. Jesus resurrected. <coughs> he was here 40 days. And then he said, they went into the upper room and he said, Terry here till the promise comes. And the promise was the power of the, the Holy Spirit was going to come and baptize those believers into the body of Christ, the church, because the, a new entity, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And don't, I want to fuss with you about when the church started, okay? But I'm just saying this, that, that, that there was a 10 day period, now watch this, where they tarried and they prayed. And I have often wondered what went on during those 10 days. Did they just go get a meal somewhere and come back and pray? Did they read the Bible together? But there's apparently a 10 day period. Jesus said, you stay here and you tarry till the Holy Ghost comes. Now, here's what I believe that the thing to learn now, this is this, that in my own ministry, in my own Christian life, is that there are times when you're going to have to tarry with God. Yeah. It's not just going to be, now lay me down to sleep. I pray there's the Lord my soul to keep. There's going to be times you're going to have to get alone with God somewhere, lay aside all the stuff of life. By the way, this is part of what our forefathers had in the old days, in the 1700s, 1800s, in their camp meetings. 
They knew there needed to be a time of getting away from all the work, getting away from all the cares of life, coming together, laying all that aside and seeking the Lord. Yes. God has given us these camp meetings. I, I don't know what he's going to do with them. I, this is just little Norwood. I understand that. But I'm saying this, that I think tonight what we need to do is look at Peter and say, God, whatever need, Peter needed to be. But you say, what happened between time? Well, he saw a risen Savior. First of all, he, he had a work of godly sorrow. He went out and wept bitterly. He truly, he had godly sorrow. He hadn't been caught at nothing. Jesus, Jesus, I mean, yeah, Jesus saw him. But inside, he knew he had denied Christ. He knew he'd done the very thing that he said he'd never do. And I believe Peter had godly sorrow. It, what it does is brings a person, God, this has got to change. God, this has got to stop. Lord, where's, I can't live your life in my own power. I don't have enough, whatever it is, to stand when I need to stand. Amen. And I believe Peter began to go on this quest, as it were, to find out the secret of the Christian life outside of just the reception of Christ. But he, he was broken of his own strength. He had a work of godly sorrow, but he saw a risen Savior. Now listen to me. <coughs> Peter was one of the first ones they went to when the ladies realized Jesus Christ was not there at the tomb. I'm telling you tonight this, that there is a difference between a knowledge that Christ rose from the dead and a personal conception and reality that I am serving and have living in me a risen Savior who came up from the dead and he is alive forevermore. I have a risen Savior, one who has power over death. And he said, this is, this is the real thing. Yes. This isn't just another religious movement. Yes. Nobody in the world had come up from the dead. Yes. God is the one that can do that. Amen. And he knew. And when the time hits, and I believe this is part of the work of the Spirit to reveal Christ to us, yes. not just as somebody who died and was buried and rose again in a salvation sense, but I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Amen. And I'm telling you this, I believe what happened, one thing that happened to him was he realized Christ was truly the Messiah. He was God in the flesh. And if he's God in the flesh and if he rose from the dead, I'm lining up, amen. amen. I've got a purpose in life. I've got a reason. There's a reality to my faith. I can't imagine serving Buddha. I can't imagine serving the Muslims all. I, a dead body laying there and he ain't got power to get up. He ain't got no more power than I got. But I have a risen Savior. Amen. And I'm saying to you today that part of what happened to Peter is not only did God break him, not only did God give him godly sorrow, but the realization, man, we've got the real Messiah. It's Christ, the risen Savior. Amen. And he raises us up in the newness of life. Yes. And this is part of what happened. He was saved. Can't tell me he wasn't saved. But I'm telling you, God did something in that 50-day period of him that he never got over. In fact, Peter, you know what he said one time? I'm going back fishing. Did you know after that, you never hear Peter fishing again in your life? God changed him. He changed his whole focus, his whole direction of life. And then, as I said in chapter 2, verse number 4, he was filled with the Spirit of God. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. I admit this is where I'm really heading. Would you be willing tonight with an honest heart to say, God, I want you to fill me. Amen. I want you to fill me with your spirit, whatever that means, whatever you have to do. 
I no longer want to live the Christian life in the power and energy of my flesh and just kind of going along. I'm talking daddies, first of all. Are we willing as fathers and husbands to say, Lord, now you listen to me. I'm not talking about somebody who goes around tapping their Christian, trying to act super spiritual above everybody and prove that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. If you've got to tell somebody you're Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not. Amen. I'm talking about so filled with the Holy Ghost that we love our wives as Christ led the church, that we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that when we're pressed, when it would be financially better to tell a lie that we will not. That when we see somebody in need, we care. When we're working with somebody that's lost, we care about where they're going to spend eternity. Our mind is not just on money and what we can gather and what we can do and pleasure and fun of life, but our mind is on eternity. And we're so filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit of God that everything that's going on in our life, I'm not talking about everybody turning into Peter and going out and starting an evangelistic movement. That's fine. Go do it. I pray, we, well, pray that God would raise it. But I'll tell you something. We had some men in America in the old days when this nation was founded that were filled with the Spirit of God and left everything, got on their horses and went out there and reached people house to house and town to town and started churches. And Aren't you glad this country is full of churches and not mosques? Amen. But it took somebody that was filled with the Spirit and that means they had to die to their life. Yes. Now I'm going to tell you a little something about dying to your life. It's not, it's, God wants you, God wanted, God wanted Abraham, not Isaac. So you better think that one through. He wanted Abraham. The most, he, but, he, but he wanted to, to get Abraham, he had to break him to give him the most cherished thing that he had. That was his son. And God often, not, and this is my experience in life. God may prompt you to say you're going to give this up. But that's not what he really wants. What he wants is you. The Bible said we first gave ourselves. The Bible said present yourselves a living sacrifice. <coughs> what happened to him? There was a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. This is where I'm trying to go. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I haven't heard. I've read, I've read all the preachers. I've read everybody. I've read all both sides of the issue. And everybody's idea of being filled with the Spirit. Everybody's got a little bit of the truth. And they, none of them got it all. You know why? It's a mystery. Yeah. Kind of a mystery. The work of the Holy Ghost in you may be totally different than the work of the Holy Spirit in me and what it, what it manifests out in, in your life. But I will tell you this, it'll manifest loving, surrender, and obedience to the Word of God. Amen. I, I don't, if you said to me, well, I can explain to you what being filled with the Holy Ghost is, I don't know. But I know this much, it'll make a man loving, kind, gentle, caring, honest. If it don't produce those things, why would I want it for? I'm talking about practical living of being filled with the Spirit of God. So he was filled with the Spirit of God. He was sanctified and separated unto the work of God. And the love of God was shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Ghost. And love made him care. And love made him courageous. And the Spirit of God made him bold. And where he was fearful, he was now. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Now, this is where I don't understand things. There came a point in my life uh, when I started preaching that, uh, and Danny, I remember you talking about going out and feeding your heifers in a place where you prayed. You got to get a place. I'm telling you, everybody needs a place where they get alone. When thou prayest, shut, go to thy closet. When thou shut thy door, pray to thy father and seek and thy father will reward thee openly. The Bible, t Jesus went where? Up in the, uh, went out in the mountain to pray. We need people getting out by themselves and saying, Lord, I will not leave here till you've done something in my heart. 
Lord, at least I'm going to pray the best I know. And if you don't do anything, it's not because I didn't stay and tarry and wait. I'll, I'll tell you this, that I think God oftentimes will see if we'll go to the very end and we don't even hear nothing from God, we're willing to say, God, your will be done. What I'm saying this is, I don't know how to, I'm, I feel like I'm just stumbling all over myself. I just want the Spirit of God moving in this church, Amen. in individuals, in marriages, in lives. I will tell you something. One of the, how many in here would recognize God's Spirit has moved upon many of the young people of this church? And what's going on with them is not some natural preacher propped up. Dave Glidden didn't prop it up. He'll tell you that. Nobody propped it up, but a glad, happy service to the Lord. Yes. It is, it is not normal to see young people in churches going out and witnessing and passing out tracts and, and praying, having prayer meeting, and, and nobody saying, now you all need to do this, and you all need to do this, and you all better be here Saturday morning. And all that. No, they just, what happened? Spirit of God moved. You can't explain to any other, that's just exactly what's happened. And I don't, that's why I say I'm going to be, I'm treading, boy, I'm going to tell you, I'm treading lightly. Because if I mess up and, and I, I do something grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and God's spirit pulls his spirit off this church, it, we will never know what we missed. But I'm going to say this. I don't care what you call it. Anointing. Unction. And I literally prayed and I told God, I get on my knees and say, God, I want your power. This, this, isn't, this isn't auctioneering. I'm messing with souls. I'm preaching the Word of God. I'm going to give an account for the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, I need power. I can't save nobody. Lord, I, and that fear would set on me and I'd not say this and not say that. And God, I need you to do in me what you did in Peter. You, you need to, Lord, do a work in my heart. I naturally want to be liked by everybody. I naturally want to be approved by everybody. I, I like for people to, I, 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 can, I can like most people live off the approval of people. But God said, Reggie, I'm the one you must desire the approval of. You no longer can, can, you no longer want to desire the approval of people. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I, I've said this recently. I'll say it again. Somebody said, Reggie, what is unction of the Holy Spirit? You have an unction, the Bible says. I'm not sure what it is, but I know when it ain't. We need the anointing. Part of this thing of being filled with spirit is to be anointed of God, the spirit of God. I believe that the spirit of God can so fill somebody, you can see it in their eyes, Amen. their face, their countenance. I believe that. Yes. Now, I always tell you this, people have different temperaments. If I, you know, and I'm always talking about Karen, but she's just like, it's real steady, you know, just, God said, do this. So, okay, we're gonna do that. God said, do this. I'm over here going, And I'm looking at her, you know, and I'm the preacher and she's the preacher's wife. And so, so it's just that easy for you, is it? How many's ever had to deal with that? How many's had to live with that 46 years? No, it's a wonderful thing. Now, I don't know what, I don't know her secret prayer life. I don't. But I will tell you this, that I know she's yielded to the Lord and just said, God, whatever you want, that's what I want to do. I don't know tonight what you need to do. But I want to tell you this much. This ain't some kind of, oh boy, this is going to be a real, it's going to ruin my life. No. Mm -mm, it's going to make your life. Yeah. It's going to make your life. Yeah. I'm asking you tonight to begin this week. I don't give the church assignment. We'll get done. I want everybody in church to read first and second Peter. This week. Peter is the most, the word holy is in the book of Peter in the epistles more than any other epistle in the Bible. I believe there's a reason for that. The first time holy is mentioned in the book of 1 Peter is the Holy Ghost. 
And from there, he talks about holiness in the life of believers. It's in the book of Peter that you sit where it says, as it is written, be holy for I am holy. And where it says, without holiness shall no man see the Lord. The, ho the holiness is in the book of Peter. So I think the Holy Spirit did that on purpose because let me tell you what happened to Peter between Passover and Pentecost. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And it changed his life. Now, I, I believe, you say, Reggie, now if I was to be filled with Spirit, should I go on stupid and crazy like you? Would that be evidence of it? No. That is no evidence of nothing. Except I've just got a crazy personality. Right? Spirit-filled people can be very quiet. But I do believe they also will have a testimony. And they're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And where they used to would not have said anything. Now they lovingly and honestly and firmly, but solidly will, are willing to share their faith or take an interest in the soul and so forth like that. And I, 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 how many recognize that I'm stumbling? Anybody besides me recognize I'm stumbling here and I'm stumbling there? But how many's got the message? Yeah. So if you got the message, why should I preach any longer? Amen. <laughs> Let me just say this. He had new affections. He had the power of God on him. And here's a big one. He was willing and able to suffer for the cause of Christ. Whereas before, he didn't want to suffer for Jesus' sake at all. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And what happened? A work of God's Spirit, a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Truth about it is, a lot of Christian people have been driven away from the filling of the Spirit by what they've seen going on in a lot of church movements. And it's just like, you know what? I don't need that. I, I'm just leery of that. And putting on a show or, or trying to see people trying to act spiritual and, you know, and all this stuff. And, and I, de I dealt with that back in the 80s. I dealt with it a lot. And uh, because a lot was going on. But I knew that behind the clouds of all that stuff, there was a reality to the filling of the Spirit of yes. God Almighty. Yes. And I will tell you this, there is. What that means for you as a wife, it'll mean what the Bible says for you. As a child, isn't it interesting that when God commands us to be filled with the Spirit in the book of Ephesians, guess what he starts talking about? Husband and wife relationships. Right off the bat. He didn't talk about doing some wild something in church. Spirit-filled husbands, spirit-filled wives. Actually, it's reversed. Like it, it, it talks about, and then spirit-filled children, chapter 6. And so anyway, I have uh, royally messed this one up. Where it was. I was sitting in there studying, getting this thing ready, and I said, Lord, I'm not ready. And he says, yeah, that's why you need to depend on me. Amen. And it's through our weakness that maybe his strength be known. But here's what I'm going to ask you tonight. This. You say, boy, I don't like challenges like that. I, I don't tell you something, there's something about obeying God and just, just moving for God. But I'm just going to ask you all tonight, if you'd be willing, no show, no go, but you'd be willing to say, Lord, I don't want to try to live the Christian life in my own energy and power like Peter did. He had good intentions and I do too. Lord, I, I don't know what this means, but I want you to fill me with your spirit. If you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more should the Father give the Spirit to them that ask Him? 
God has ordained it in such a way that you need, the Bible teaches, continuous filling of the Spirit of God. The anointing I had 15 years ago will not do for today. I need fresh oil. David was anointed three times with oil. He needed, he said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I'm not, you know, I'm going to say something to all the men that preach your name. For serving God in that capacity, I believe it's even a further movement of the Holy Spirit. I'm just being honest with you guys. I believe it's going to have to happen where God's hand comes on you and the Holy Spirit does something, turns you into a guy you weren't for his glory and for his honor. But it also means you're going to have greater battles, harder temptations. You're going to be closer to about, you're going to be closer to the front lines. You're going to be more in the way of bullets and you're going to need more power. I don't know what God has for this church. I'd like to hang around and see it. Amen. But the only way it's going to happen is this church says, Lord, we're willing for you to fill us with your spirit in a practical daily living that manifests the reality of a risen Savior. And I want to say something tonight to this church. I love you people. Most of the people that come to this church, they come here because they've made a commitment to Christ. They, they want to walk with God. You, to be honest with you, we don't have a whole lot of lost people walks in this church. Somehow or another, God has set this church where people, after they've been saved, a lot of times they'll come and they want to grow in the Lord and so forth like that. It, different churches have different manifestations of their ministry. And it's good. We need it all. Uh, you know, there's churches that can reach uh, drug addicts and things like that way better than we can. That's good. I'm glad for them. I'm, I'm with them all the way. But there's also sometimes, I've had people come in and say, Reggie, I went to church 15 years. And I, I've learned more in three weeks here than I learned 15 years where I was going to church. I, you know, I'm just saying, churches have different ministries. But, uh, but God also allows us to see a lot of people saved. If you just look back all the, just in the last two or three years, the number of people we've seen saved and baptized the Lord. And uh, God see, helps to see people saved. But here's one I ask you tonight. No push, no shove, no big blah, 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 blah. Did you know the day of Pentecost, I, best I know, they weren't playing the organ. I don't think they had a piano. <laughs> I don't think Billy Graham was standing up for a with every head bowed and every eye closed. The Spirit of God just moved in such a way that they said, but here's a wild thing. Before he was denying the Lord, the Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. His first, his first message, that would have ruined me, Brother Kime. I'd have, th I'd have thought I was God's gift from heaven to the whole world. <laughs> 3,000 people got saved. You know. But you, you follow them through the book of Acts, repeatedly they were filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Oh, Sumner Wimp, some most, but most of you don't have a clue who he is, but Sumner Wimp was one of the probably the most Spirit-filled men I was ever around in my life. He was a soul-winning racehorse. There was nobody that man wouldn't give a track to, nobody that man wouldn't talk to with a smile on his face and the joy of the Lord. And here's what I said, Sumner, what's your secret? He said, Reggie, every day of my life, I do not start the day without getting on my knees and saying, oh, God in heaven, my heavenly father, fill me with your spirit today because, and take me by the people you want me to see. And Lord, help me not to see them just as somebody, but helping to see a person Jesus died for. It changed your life. And he's, he was a big believer that the fruit of the spirit was love and joy and peace. And he said, you can have what everybody in the world wants absolutely free if you just ask for it. So tonight, I'm just going to say this to you. Say, you want? I'm going to ask God to fill me with His Spirit.
I mean, and I don't know what that is going to manifest itself into in my life, but you want to get out of your seat? Come find a place and say, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want the spirit of God controlling my life. I, I'm just telling you, folks, listen. We have not. Why? Because we ask not. We ask not. Lord, fill me with your spirit. That's the greatest need I know of that we have today. It take care. Hey, when you're filled with spirit, no matter what the preacher preaches on, if it's Bible, you'll amen it. That's the truth. You get filled with the spirit. It, it, it ain't something you're hoping he don't preach on tonight. Filled with the spirit of God. Maybe you just want to turn around and kneel where you're at. Maybe that'd be best for you. I, I don't know. Maybe you've got children. You can't just leave them there. But I'm telling you something right now. I wouldn't leave this place tonight without the Lord. Would you just fill me with your spirit? That's what we need more than anything in this world.